I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. We worship at Island Creek Elementary School, 7855 Morning View Lane, every Sunday at 10 a.m. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and spent the night there. The king of Jericho was told, Some Israelites have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, Bring out the men who have come to you who entered your house, for they have come only to search out the whole land. But the woman took the two men and hid them. Then she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. And when it was time to close the gate at dark, the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you can overtake them. She had, however, brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. So the men pursued them on the way to the Jordan as far as the forge. As soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before they went to sleep, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that dread of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt in fear before you. 
For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no courage left in any of us because of you. The Lord your God is indeed God in heaven, above and on earth below. Now then, since I have dealt kindly with you, swear to me by the Lord that you in turn will deal kindly with my family. Give me a sign of good faith that you will spare my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. The men said to her, Our life for yours. If you do not tell this business of ours, then we will deal kindly and faithfully with you when the Lord gives us the land. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the outer side of the city wall, and she resided within the wall itself. She said to them, Go toward the hill country, so that the pursuers may not come upon you. Hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers have returned, then afterward you may go your way. The men said to her, We will be released from this oath that you have made us swear to you if we invade the land and you do not tie this crimson cord in the window through which you let us down, and you do not gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers, and all your family. If any of you go out of the doors of your house into the street, they shall be responsible for their own death, and we shall be innocent. But if a hand is laid upon any who are with you in the house, we shall bear the responsibility for their death. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be released from this oath that you made us swear to you. She said, according to your words, so be it. She sent them away and they departed. Then she tied the crimson cord in the window. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Christian. So two weeks ago, um, really last week, we started a new sermon series in our church uh, called The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, before I, is there anyone here who had just not heard of The Handmaid's Tale before we named our series after it? Okay, that's okay. You, uh, okay, all right, good. That's good. Uh, you may not have read the book. You may not be a fan of the series. You may not have watched it on Netflix. Um, but the point was not The Handmaid's Tale. The point was that The Handmaid's Tale seems to tell the stories of, um, of a population that has been silenced, um, of women in this story who have been silenced. In fact, these women have been stripped of their names um, woman who uh, I think her name is June in real life she's given the name Offred of Fred that her name now in this story is of the man she belongs to of Fred she's been stripped of her name and we thought you know there are stories in the Bible that are just like this there are plenty of stories of people throughout the Bible Moses and Abraham and David and all the wonderful beautiful names that are on long genealogies right um, but there's also the other, people, the other people tucked underneath those people, the people who serve them, the people who, um, who are uh, kind of minor characters that have something to tell us. And so um, today, well, last week we started with Hagar, uh, and we talked about how Hagar teaches us that freedom is this complicated, very human thing. And that may be the reason why Hagar is in the Bible is because she teaches, She's, maybe she looks more than anything, anyone else like Christ. Um, today we're going to be talking through, um, through the, the person and the story of Rahab. Um, but this Handmaid's Tale book um, written by Margaret Atwood um, and the series that's, that's lived out on Netflix, uh, it, it's the story of those who have been silenced. And it reminds me of another story I read 
of people whose stories you are you don't normally hear. Um, I picked up a book called Homeboy Ministries a long time ago. You know, get over the name for a second. Homeboy Ministries um, is the name of the ministry. It's written by uh, a, a priest. His name is Father Boyle, and he started a ministry in the inner city of Los Angeles in the um, in the, the projects of Los Angeles with inner city youth, and he called it Homeboy Ministries. And this book outlines just his, there are sad stories and beautiful stories, and not every story is a win. That's, that's the reality of, of working in that context. There are so many sad stories. He tells um, in, this, in this book the story of, of a kid named Leo who, came to him, and Leo was just one of those kids you would just like immediately. And Leo uh, said, Father Boyle, I need, I need help getting a job. And actually the motto for Homeboy Ministries was the fastest way to escape a bullet is through a job. And so he comes to him saying, hey, I need a job. I need a job. And so Father Boyle would set him up with all of the right um, workshops and resumes and send him on the course for a job interview and then he wouldn't show up. And he would set him on another interview and send him towards, you know, I'm, I'm giving you everything you've asked for, go on this, and the kid wouldn't show up again. And so Father Boyle thought maybe Leo is, is a lost cause. And so um, he, but Leo kept saying that he wanted a job. A couple weeks after this encounter where he didn't show up to the job, Father Boyle is in um, the projects where Leo lives. He's making some rounds to some other people, and out in the distance, he sees Leo. He tells the story of seeing Leo, and a car pulls up, and someone passes something out the window of a car, and Leo passes something back into the car, and, and then the car keeps driving, and, and he's been caught. He's immediately embarrassed that my priest just saw me. I mean, completely, he watched the whole drug deal go down. The kid who wanted a job, and this was the job he found. And, and Father Boyle walks up to him and says, you know, I can, I can help, I can want to help you as much as, as, as I can, but at some point you're going to have to want to help yourself. And we hear that phrase a lot, right? We hear those kind of phrases, you've got to help yourself. That's what Father Boyle says to him. A couple months later, Leo gives him a call and says, I know exactly what you're talking about now, Father Boyle. I know exactly what you're talking about. Gosh, it feels like God has set me free from my demons now. And he's like, well, okay, so what did it for you? What was the thing that made the light turn on for you? He's like, I was just watching one of those commercials about, like, it was, it was some kind of... Um, program to get a license to be able to, to work in some, like as an assistant at this job and they said, do you want to be one of those people without a job? And he sat in front of the TV eating Cheetos and he all of a sudden a light came on and said, I do not want to be one of those people without a job. And so he comes back to Father Boyle and says, no, I really am serious now. I'm serious. And Father Boyle said, there's no, there's no way your history shows else something else, right? Your history shows something else. I, I'm not quite convinced that you have been set free. Um, but he sets him up on an interview for a job that, for the first time, it was something that he wanted to do. He, he goes on an interview for a job at an animal clinic. 
and he loved animals. He had always been such a lover of animals. And Leo goes on this interview, and what did they, they gave him the most, um, the lowest job that you can have in an animal clinic, which is cleaning the cages. And he started cleaning the cages, and now, many years later, Leo is this, um, is the manager of a, of, of a vet clinic. And, and he tells how he goes in to visit Leo, and Leo now comes back to Homeboy Ministries to tell the story of how I was one of those people who wanted a job. Um, and I didn't want to be one of those people that didn't have a job. And, and God set me free from that. And, and he said that the problem, though, is Leo's story, it turns out good in the end. He didn't think it was going to turn out good in the end. He thought Leo's story was going to be like many of the stories that he saw the drug deal go down. That was Leo's story. But in fact, Leo's story turns out differently. But he, he's, he, Father Boyle then just gets really sad. And he says, the, the reality is that's the story I tell every time I raise money for, um, for, for, for my ministry. I, I tell that story, that success story. And there's so many other stories, so many other voices. That, um, that I don't, I don't want to share. I don't want to share those stories. Um, voices that have, have been silenced along the way because this story isn't, isn't the, the main thread of my ministry. Just like that, there are stories in the Bible that are not the main thread of the Bible, and yet they may actually show us who Christ is more than any other story. And today we meet Rahab. Rahab is this woman, and she's found in the book of Joshua, and, and here's what I wonder about Rahab. I wonder, I wonder if anyone like Father Boyle was waiting for Rahab's life to change. I wonder who was praying for Rahab. I wonder who, who Rahab had to run to. Because, you know, what the saddest thing is when you, when you begin to give up on people, right? When you begin to give up on people, I can help you, but you got to want to help yourself. Oftentimes we have to draw boundaries and say, no, 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 that behavior is not going to work here. But, but what's really bad is when we give up on people and they become so isolated that no one is praying a prayer for them anymore. Do you know who these people are? Nobody knows them. Everybody's given up on them. That's why, we need, that's why we need each other. That's why we need people to care about each other's kids and to care about what are the highs and lows of your week and where you saw God that week. We need that. To know that somebody's praying a prayer for people that, that someone, if someone cares about this person. Was anyone, was anyone praying for Rahab? That's my question. Was anybody praying for Rahab? Sometimes we, we give up on people. And when, and when everybody gives up on a person, what it means is that God, that God is now waiting alone for God's son or God's daughter's life to change. Imagine how lonely that is for God. How lonely that is for God to wait alone for a person that has no one praying for them, knowing that no one else cares anymore what happens to that person. You know how many people are in that category? 
In this story, Rahab was a prostitute, and it's important to say that plainly and forthrightly about this story. Some people like to call her other things, say that we're not really sure that she was a prostitute. The Bible says it super clearly. She's a prostitute. It's important so that we can see that she is the person that God cares about, and probably no one else is praying for Rahab. You see, if we deny her, her, um, her profession as prostitute or tidy it up in some way, use nicer, acceptable words, it makes it seem like God only waits for you or welcomes you when you're all cleaned up and you have your life together. But, but what if it's just the opposite? What if God uniquely cares for those whose lives are completely falling apart? What if God uniquely cares for people who are weighed down or people who have massively messed up their own lives? What if God has a special, a special, unique place for those people? Bad decision after bad decision, Rahab, we don't know a thing about her, but all we can assume is we don't know about her background. The Bible doesn't give us any information about how she became a prostitute. So we have to do the work of what we might imagine. Rahab's circumstances are pretty miserable. The Bible is silent about her past. We don't know what led her here, where, where we meet her. But I'm guessing this is, this is not the future that she dreamed up as a child. I'm guessing that as a young teenager, this was not what she was hoping her life would, the trajectory of her life would lead to. I'm guessing she was caught in this battle of poverty and survival, but I don't know. I think it's always good to start with the best assumptions about someone. When we meet someone who the first phrase like Father Boyle pops in our minds, they've got to want to help themselves. I wonder if the good place to begin is not there, but but with the best possible assumptions about what might have led that person to this place in life. But it is important to start with the truth about Rahab, what we do know about her. What the Bible says, it does tell us clearly, is she had a family to support. She had parents, and she had brothers, and she had sisters, and she had dependents. And dependents are, they're terribly dependent. And, and they need to eat, and they need to sleep under a roof. And apparently it fell to Rahab, we don't know why, but it fell to Rahab to supply for her family's needs. And she found herself in this self-demeaning business. And she was at the nexus of bad circumstances and poor choices by a variety of parties, probably herself included, yes. And that brought her to this place where we find her in the book of Joshua. But you have to hand it to her. Most people would have, would have walked out and, and given up, and most, they, they would have just started fending for themselves. They would have crash-landed eventually. But Rahab shows up, and she cares for her family, and she does it in this way. And Rahab, Rahab do, does not need our judgment. The world's going to give her plenty of that. And she surely... Um, she surely was freed from fear, so she doesn't really need much gumption. The world has taught her how to have gumption, how to be a little gritty. She, she had the courage, she had uh, the audacity um, to, to live her life in a particular way that she believed was how she would survive and how she would support. But what Rahab in this story truly needed 
What she truly needed was, was grace. She was freed from caring what others think about her anymore. This is, this is my profession. This is what I do. I don't care what people have to say about it. But, but what she needed was to be freed from her own need to control the experience, the, the own need to control her life, and to be freed to the absolute freedom of God's grace in her life. What new possibilities could knowing God's grace have for her? What Rahab needed was that unmerited favor of God, that knowledge that no matter who she was, she was so deeply loved, and she needed the freedom that, that flows out of that. When we come here, whether we come in our, our, with exuberant excitement um, and joy or with just the lowest amount of energy, whether you feel like you're dragged here or whether you, you want to be here, you show up joyous about it, um, we come here, all of us, to experience together the unmerited, unearned mercy and grace of God. That, that's for all sinners like us, right? That's what we come here for. Like, does anybody here feel like they've nailed life? Anybody? So, so when you sit in a community that believes in grace, You, you, you read the story of Rahab, someone who needs grace, unmerited favor, something she could use to climb out of the mess that she has found herself or got herself in. And the story becomes super important to this story of God's love then. And what's amazing is that the Lord does actually hand her something to pull herself out. The Lord extends a rope down to her. The Lord cares about her. And the fact that God cares about her is so significant to the story because Rahab wasn't even an Israelite. She's a Canaanite. It, it's, not about, it's not just about her profession of faith. It's about the fact that she didn't worship the same God. It's not just that she's a prostitute. She, she worshiped many other gods. And so one night, two men show up at Rahab's place, two spies who have been wandering through the wilderness for years. Moses has died. Joshua is now the new commander of Israel. And, and Joshua, the new commander, is this commander of, of this wandering group, wandering group of nomads, and they're about to step into the promised land. They're getting so close. You know, Moses dies before they ever get to the promised land, and they're getting so close, and they come upon the city of Jericho. And the city of Jericho, they know, is occupied by Canaanite people, and they need to see how strong this city is. Will Will this city take them out? Why, why would they go there? I'm, I'm, why would they send spies to the city to see, can we get through this city, around this city, to finally get to the promised land? And so when they get into the city, these two spies, they show up at Rahab's door. I'm curious how they knew to go there. Rahab's door is a brothel. 
how did they hear about that? Maybe they stumbled into it. Maybe someone told them, but I get the sense that if you want to hide in the city of Jericho as two spies, you knew that Rahab's place would be the best place to go and hide. You know why? Because there are two types of people who frequent a brothel. Very odd people with odd cravings who don't quite care what you're up to. You do you and I'll do me. Or quite respectable people who have a good amount of money to spend and a good amount of loneliness and who really would rather keep their distance from you and everyone keep their mouth shut about who was in this room. And so Rahab's place is where these two spies end up. These spies arrive and it's like the light bulb comes on. It's like that watching that, that I don't know why, but that commercial about a about some, some, some program, this education program for a licensure and asking, or do, you, do you wanna be one of those people that don't have a job? It's like the light came on for Rahab. She, she meets these people and she knows, she knows immediately she's heard the stories. She's heard about what, that this group of people who have who, been wandering in the desert, she's heard about them. And, and she knows all about them. And she later tells them, yes, I know who you are. We've, we've heard that God opened up the Red Sea and you just walked through it. Is that true? Did that really happen? And we heard that these two generals that, that organized these two nomadic armies that are four times your size, we heard that you overcame both of them in the desert. Is that true? Did that really happen? We've heard your people are a legend here, and honestly, everyone in this city is afraid of you all. And it's like this light bulb goes off. And rather than, than giving them up, she takes them on the roof, covers them with straw, and others start to appear on the scene. And they say, I've heard that you have spies in your midst. I've heard, did two men come here? Have two men come into your home? They ask her and she says, yes, yes, they did. They came, they stayed a little while, but then they left out the gate. You, you might actually be able to catch them if you go run now. And then Rahab returns to the roof and she makes a deal. She says, okay, I've been good to you. Now I want you to be good to me. Introduce me to your God. I'm convinced, she says, I'm convinced that the Lord your God is the God of heaven and earth. Her society is polytheistic. They had idols for everything, everything. They had, they had, they had a God for the rain and a God for the drought and a God for the crops and a God for the, um, you know, the harvesting of the crops and the planting of the crops. They were polytheistic and Rahab makes this giant profession of faith She's now professing that there is only one God and that they have figured out who that God is. Let me ask you this question. When you are holding out hope for someone you love to be set free from whatever has been binding them up, do you believe God can do something this big? 
or this question is when you are holding out hope that you might be set free from whatever is binding you up do you believe that God can do something this big because I I think that the freedom that Rahab demonstrates to cast aside all she thinks she knows, all she's ever heard, all her culture has formed her to be, is the freedom of Jesus Christ. The spies eventually do make a deal with Rahab. They make a deal with her, but they say, um, we're going to leave. We're going to go get the rest of the Israelite people. We're going to come back. And we are going to, to besiege the city. But because of your faithfulness here, take this red cord, tie it to your window. Bring all your family together inside. And we will know to pass you by. What does that sound like? What story? The Passover, right? The story that is such a, a, a this beautiful reminder of God's deliverance and God's freedom for us this beautiful reminder of God's freedom. It's the story that, um, that is uniquely Jewish. It, it is the story that, that is what, I mean, it, it solidifies who the Jewish people are, and they offer that story, that freedom, for someone not Jewish, for an outsider. They offer that, that rope. It's the story that then continues through the scripture, right? It's to the, throughout the scripture until until we meet Jesus, and Jesus redefines that meal as we did earlier. Until Jesus, who, by the way, Rahab goes on to actually marry one of those spies. She marries a spy, they have a child. That child's name is Boaz. Boaz goes on to marry a woman who is also a Canaanite woman, a Moabite woman. Her name is Ruth. Thank you, Ruth. And it's through the line of Boaz and Ruth that we eventually get to King David. And through the line of King David, we get to who we call the Christ. The one who gives out in an endless amount red ropes for us to climb. She is the great, 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 great grandmother of the one we call the Christ. And she knew, she knew, she had that, that moment, that light bulb moment that said that this freedom, this freedom that I feel inside myself, this freedom that I felt throughout all my life, I've always been quite a gutsy woman. I've, all, I've always never taken crap. I, I, that's been who I am. I get used, I've been gotten used to just being free of what people think of me. But now I turn this freedom into something that helps others that helps these spies escape, and that then takes an entire nation that gives away their promised story to someone not a part of the story, who leads throughout history to the promised child who then gives away red ropes for eternity. Would you pray with me? God, there are many people in this room today who are in need of a red rope. There are many people in this room today who 
feel like a little bit like Leo, feel like Rahab, who is there to pray for me? Who is there to wait for me? And we throw out phrases like, um, well, what can we do if they don't want to help themselves? But God, it's not until we stop helping ourselves and we, we stop trying to control and manipulate our own lives and we just have this freedom to let it go for that rope to come down, for, for us to grab hold of something new that we know what freedom looks like. Being set free of, yes, what ails us, but being set free for, for others who embody a faith that is different than ours. For a, a legacy of faith that follows until all we're doing is handing out red ropes like you, Jesus. We long to be a place here, God, that is handing out red ropes, that isn't forgetting to pray for those no one is praying for. We long to be a place here, Jesus, that, that isn't saying if only they help themselves, but is hoping that they may encounter, that anyone may encounter, that we may encounter the unmerited grace of God when we can just let ourselves free. And we join in that prayer that you taught us to pray that is really a prayer about being set free from this world in order to be set free for your kingdom, God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
the table of the night.